Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's bring in Tom Murphy from the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, wholehogsports.com. Tom, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Always a pleasure. And uh, to add on to the Razorback stuff, we got the Latin American amateurs going on right now, and uh, three Razorbacks are in the top four. Um, that would be uh, uh, Mateo Fernandez de Oliveira, Julian Perico, and Manuel Lozado, all all in the top four right now. So they're really competing. You said all of those words, all those names, like you're a native speaker, Tom. That was pretty good. You're trilling the R's and <laughs> rolling them over. That was awesome. Well, I mean, I mean, that's, those are good kids, and I enjoy their their successes. And uh, boy, Brad McMahon's got a good squad there. So I don't know, just another thing going on on what was a relatively slow since there's no football type of weekend, except the NFL playoff. Tom, one of our listeners, Scott had uh, posted some questions I was supposed to ask Clint Sterner, uh, and I forgot. I wrote them down in the Magic Notebook, but we got busy with the NFL playoffs, but they were all Arkansas Razorback questions, and you honestly may have a better answer than, than Clint. I don't know how familiar Clint is with some of these things, so let me ask you real quick. Uh, Dominic Bowman, uh, your thoughts on uh, the departure? Well, it's just hard to decipher what all's happening there. Between A ton of defensive backs have gotten into the portal, including Anthony Brown recently, along with, you know, the Catalans and the Simeon Blairs and so on. Um, was it connected to uh, Barry Odom's gone and Dominic Bowman was kind of his guy? I, I mean, there's not a whole lot of dialogue coming out of the football right now. They're in such a big reacquiring of talent from the portal mode. So um, I think the next time we talk to Sam Pittman, these are all valid questions to say, you know, you know what happened with Bowman and and so on. But, man, we're going to see a vastly different defensive back roster. I mean, there's going to be some holdovers. And, you know, hopefully Dwight McLaughlin comes back. He hasn't made any announcements. But a guy who had four picks, had a pretty good season, didn't get beat for a touchdown until the Liberty game. Um, you know, if he comes back with Quincy McAdoo, then you've got the startings of a – you know, solid secondary where you you feel like you can play some good man, and then Hudson Clark will be back, and there'll be a few more Jalen Lewis. But man, there's going to be a massive changeover. Well, that leads me to my next question. Uh, Scott was also asking about the two Baylor transfers. What are you hearing about them? What are your expectations? Yeah, well, I mean, Richard covered covered uh, basically the recruitment uh, Johnson, and I can't think of the other kid's name. Uh, looks like one's more of a, a core. Uh, cornerback i think and the other's more of a nickel safety guy so guys who have experience in you know maybe a slightly heavier passing league the big 12 um but you know they're gonna have to get those two and some more to to be contributors to fill up the depth that they lost you know and how do you feel about the uh, co-defensive coordinators Interesting, um, interesting scenario when Sam Pittman hired Travis Williams before the bowl, you know, uh, felt like, oh yeah, he's being hired as defensive coordinator. Um, not knowing that Marcus Woodson and would, you know, would be hired as DBs and co co defensive coordinator. They obviously have worked together in the past at Auburn. Um, and maybe it was uh, an enticement that Sam Pittman had to extend with Travis Williams' blessing 
in in order to get Marcus Woodson. I don't I don't know the details of it, but um, I'm sure there'll be a lot of collaboration during the week, and then I'm sure that one of them will be calling the schemes uh, on game day. I mean, in collaboration, so to speak. So my guess would be that that Travis Williams, the linebackers coach, would be you know the loudest voice, so to speak, or that has the final say. Um, on game day, he's he's being paid more like a coordinator than Marcus Woodson. Uh, Tom Murphy with us, Arkansas Democrat Gazette, WholeHogSports.com. Tom, Richard Davenport and I walk dogs several times a week. We have not walked dogs much lately. We did yesterday, but Richard looks exhausted. And I said, man, you okay? He said, this portal is wearing everybody out. It's wearing me out. It's wearing Tom out. It's wearing the coaches out. Do you see this ever getting under control and then putting some brakes on this and and some uh, bumpers to kind of keep this? Because right now it's like the Wild West trying to figure out the makeup of these rosters. Right, and I think there will be. I think um, there's probably been a big enough fan of coaches talk to the NCAA and the people who make the, the rules you know, the competition committees and so on about what it's doing. Like, here's what we've implemented in the last five years. Here's what it's led to. Okay, so it starts with early signing day. They they talked about how the kids who know what they want to do, let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. Well, that happened to come, you know, in, in mid-December to late December. So teams are in the middle of bowl prep. They're in the middle of lo- possibly losing coaches, trying to re- secure their high school signing class. So, um when the portal was added to it, I think it added some collateral issues that they weren't sure, you know, how it would, would impact. And Coach Sam Pittman has been pretty forward talking about how it's just, it's just too much. And so I think they're going to modify And when I went to bed last night, I saw a tweet and started reading about it, and I was so sleepy that it didn't, like, register completely, completely with me. But I think there has been a recommendation made to some committee that's going to end up voting on this about modifying the signing date. And I can't speak with any authority on it because, like I said, I was a little sleepy. But I think they're already starting to move in a direction to reduce the amount of uh, absolute – I don't want to call it clutter because it's a a key part of the game, but all the intensity of what's happening in December between bowl prep, coaches leaving, signing date, transfer portal, all that, they're going to try to – it has something has to be done. Tom, I don't like calling a basketball game in January must win. It's pretty darn close to it. Um, how do you <laughs> feel about this game tomorrow? Well, and I also are very, you know, skeptical about calling a game must win uh, because Eric Musselman's teams have rebounded from being below five hundred. I mean. Each of his four Arkansas teams now has been two games below 500. The last two responded super great. The first one got way below 500 and then rallied at the end of the year and was playing pretty good ball when they beat, I think it was Vanderbilt, um, on the last day of competition in the, uh, the 2020 SEC tournament. Um, Vanderbilt's playing pretty good ball. They, they fought hard with Tennessee, which has been blowing some people out the other night. They're at home. I think I think it's going to be a hard game to win, um, and Eric Molson has said this is going to be a bigger uphill battle than the last two years, a much more uphill battle because they are offensively challenged. They've got to find different ways. I, I was astonished to see some stats on their um, 
points in transition or uh, after turnovers, it, it's an astounding number. In conference play, it's almost like four to one. The opponents are outscoring them in uh, points off turnovers. And that's been a staple of Eric Musselman teams. So I think they have to be a, find a way to be more free-flowing when they get turnovers and assault the basket. I mean, when you watch a team like Alabama play, their guards are just coming at you, always going downhill, always you know, drawing help or trying to beat their man. And you saw time and again with Sears and Quinterly driving to the hole, driving to the hole. And if help came, they were feeding the big men. Um, if they were cut off and the, the help wasn't there, they'd been kicked to the edges and the corners for three-point shots. And, it's, and you see all, Alabama's offense was in just mid-season form the other night. And so <clears throat> I think I think Eric Musselman has to find a way to unleash a more free-flowing offense and not get, get late in the shot clock and have somebody – basically go man to man they've got to they've got to have better cutting screening and all that kind of stuff and i don't know how you become a better three-point shooting team in the middle of the season but i think it's imperative for them to make more than two three-pointers a game to have shots in, in these league games well our question of the day yesterday was how are you feeling about arkansas basketball season now are you confident worried cautiously optimistic or are you on to baseball season tom <laughs> well i mean i have to cover it uh, but if I were a fan and, and seeing this from a fan's eyes, I think I would be cautiously optimistic, and it's because they've they've done they've turned it around the last two years with being two games below 500. Um, however, we see their flaws, and are they flaws that can be repaired? That remains to be seen. I think I think they have a fight. I think they're going to be a strong rebounding team. Um, but they have to be a better shooting team. They have to be a better um, create shots for your teammates kind of team. Um, and I think Anthony Black being on the floor and doing his thing is a key component of that. Uh, Nick Smith possibly coming back in February might need to be a key component of that. Uh, you heard Eric Musselman talk about no one wants to hear it. But when you, when you lose two of your best five players or possibly your two best offensive players, it's going to impact your team. Um, I don't have hopes that they're going to finish way above 500 in conference play, but I do feel like there's enough talent um, and superior coaching that they can finish 500 or a little better, which means now they have to win at least one road game. And uh, again, Vandy is, is a decent way to start. I mean, they not with a great tradition. And uh, so I'm sure we're going to see a tight game on Saturday. Tom, do you think uh, Jalen Graham, his role could be with this team? Could he be an answer? He could be an answer in terms of, I mean, what we saw offensively. You know, he he took it to his, the big men who were guarding him. That scoop shot was was beautiful. Some of those one handed like baby hooks and stuff. You can't defend those unless you got a guy clawing at him. You know, on a double team. And if that's the case, you'd like to think Jalen Graham's basketball savvy enough to pass to the open guy. But when they had to have scoring the other night, he came in and supplied that. Now, the flip side was Eric Musselman talking about how he didn't step out and get on Clowney on one of the key threes. That happened. Um, and and so his defensive awareness has to, to go up. Um, but I think when you're as offensively challenged 
as they are right now, you're going to have to sacrifice maybe a possession or here or two on defense here and there, and that means that Joseph Pinion has to play more. He's your best three-point shot threat. Uh, the game that he played extensive minutes against Missouri, he delivered. Uh, he came in for just a moment against Alabama. A guy drove on him immediately, and I thought there was a bogus foul called, and then he comes out of the game. So I think part of like the restructuring, the revisioning of this team is going to have to involve Jalen Graham getting more minutes and just trying opinion. And if he can supply a couple of three three pointers in a game, then I think you know it's it's a net value for them. Tom Murphy with us from the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, WholeHogSports.com. Tom, it's NFL Wild Card Weekend. What game are you looking forward to the most to watch? You know, honestly, I'm not sure I know all of the pairings um, since my Falcons aren't in it. But I saw a shocker headline in our paper today. It was, Pat Mahomes is the oldest quarterback in the AFC playoffs. Is that not just what? But so, you know, that means, you know, whoever the whoever's playing for the Ravens is younger. And, uh, you know, Josh Allen and all the rest of the Tua um, is younger than Joey Burrow, Pat Lamar Jet. Well, Lamar's not playing. So, Sauer Huntley. Yeah, his backup. And Skylar Thompson so has been announced really- as the uh, starter. He's a rookie. That is that is a mm-hmm. crazy stat. I'm going to go. Yeah, you, I'm going to go on the record as saying no quarterback named Skyler will ever win a Super Bowl. How many quarterbacks <laughs> starting this weekend? Stetson Bennett is older than. Oh, most of them. He's 37. Like he and Lamar Jackson are the same age. Yeah, he's older. I think he's older than all of them, but Mahomes maybe. <laughs> Well, I knew TCU yeah, was in trouble, Tom, when I saw Stetson Bennett bringing his children and grandchildren to the game. <laughs> you know, he took a lot of heat for that. But you know what's funny about what we do, our business, is uh, I've covered the both of the last two Burlsworth ceremonies. And so I've interviewed Stetson Bennett on my own twice. And it's, it shocks you when you see him without shoulder pads how relatively thin he is and, and short. I mean, like, you don't see – a premier FBS quarterback, you know, championship-winning quarterback, when you look at him, on not on the football field. But I admire his pluck and his fight going to Jones College and all the things he did. I mean, he was buried on the Georgia depth chart. And interesting enough, Arkansas fans got to see his basic coming-out party when uh, DeJuan Mathis wasn't getting it done in the, the opener of the COVID year. And here comes um, Stetson Bennett. And leads Georgia back to a win. So it all kind of has a circular logic to it. Yeah, Tom, I remember uh, that Georgia game, and he comes in, and I'm like, uh oh, Arkansas might have them where they want them now. They're having to bring in a walk on <laughs> off the bench. And it was just the opposite. Yep, he got it done. I mean, he, he, he was ready when his time came. And there might have been some walk ons who had that desire and all, but just did not have the physical skills and the processing speed. I mean, you have to process so fast. That That's an underrated part of today's modern uh, major college quarterback is how fast they have to process stuff. And I think maybe when you go back and think about KJ's uneven performance against Liberty and the fact that I think he had gotten a, you know, a shot to help him get ready for that game, I think maybe his processing speed wasn't up to normal. And probably played a role in that, but that's that's a huge part of being a, a modern quarterback is how fast you have to process all the things you see and then put it into action 
uh, once the play snaps. All right, last question before we let you go, unless you guys have something for him. Um, I got to know, preseason top 25, where are you going to put Michigan? <laughs> <laughs> what a setup, Wes. You know what? Probably number two, right? What do you think, Pete? Yeah. That's too much, Tom. I'd say put them at three or four. Just don't put TCU ahead of us, even though they did win the last matchup. So I, tr- I trust Tom. Oh, man. Tom, Wes and Justin are big pot stirrers. And Basil, you can throw him in. They're always trying to cause trouble. And Basil said something to me last week. I said, Tom and I are fine. I have great respect for Tom. I said, quit trying to cause trouble, David. And Wes, I'm telling you the same thing. I, I was listening to a, a national show last time on my way home, and they said if Harbaugh comes back, mm-hmm. they're fine with putting Michigan number two. Mm-hmm. And so that I just wondered if two, three, four. They got a great, uh, good quarterback JJ, that could after, be great. After listening to all of you guys talk about this and watching it played out on the field, as Wes said, it probably doesn't matter that much. I have come along to your way of thinking. <laughs> you guys have made a you guys have made a disciple out of it. Awesome, this. that's yes. great, Tom. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. But we all know there's a lot to be a lot of lot could happen between now and when the preseason exactly. poll comes out. But hey. Great season for Michigan. Uh, and, you know, I think if they played TCU ten times, I'll be honest, I think they'd beat them more than five. I do, too, yep. but, boy, we didn't when it mattered, and that's all that matters. Nope. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. Y'all have a great weekend. See ya.